Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. We are in the middle of an amazing series on the book of Genesis. It's special for several reasons. It's the first book of the Bible. It contains an amazing testimony of the immeasurable and unfailing love of our Creator, Redeemer. It's also exciting on Hope Sabbath School because this is the first series where it's just being taught by our Hope Sabbath School team teachers. No guest teachers, just members of the team who've been teaching through the years are teaching the entire series. Why? Because we want to challenge you to start teaching a class in your area. We're also offering a special gift for you. It's the book, Patriarchs and Prophets. The first 21 chapters cover the book of Genesis. It's available in more than 20 languages and via audio. Just go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess, and click on the free gift button, and you'll find how you can get your copy. Great resource. Welcome to Hope Sabbath School. We're glad you're here. And welcome to the team. Glad you're here. Welcome especially to Jason, who will be leading us today as we're talking about the roots of Abraham. I also want to welcome our remote team members, Stephanie joining us from South Carolina. Stephanie, great to see you today. Glad you're part of our team. Welcome to you. Uh, Puya, good to see you again from Hawaii. Pastor Puya, good to see you. Jonathan, good to see you from Maryland. Uh, what a great team we've got. It's going to be a great study. And we're glad that you're also with us. In fact, we're always happy to hear from you, our Hope Sabbath School members around the world. Here's one, actually not far from uh, South Carolina, in North Carolina, a note from Tracy. Tracy says, my husband and I have been watching and enjoying Hope Sabbath School for the last few years. We love to spend time with each team member every week. We live in Shelby, North Carolina, though originally from New England. I was a teacher at our local church for a few years, and I always used the Hope Sabbath School outline. Jason, that's the one we use today, right? Yes. I appreciate prayers. My husband and I have been going through a health trial. But listen to this. Tracy writes, The only thing that's important to us right now is showing people what the gospel looks like. Amen. Amen. Thank you for feeding us spiritually each and every week. Please pass along our thanks to your wife, Bodil, for the scripture songs. We listen to them often. Many blessings, Tracy. Well, Tracy, thanks for writing to us from North Carolina. We're so glad that you're part of our family, and we'll continue to pray for you uh, as you face your health challenge from Zambia. How often do we hear from Zambia, Jonathan? <laughs> Seems like every week, doesn't it? Every week. Well, that's amazing. There's probably more than a million Hope Sabbath School members just in Zambia. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing thought. It's always a blessing, Harold writes, whenever I sit to study along with you as you present the Hope Sabbath School lesson. May God continue to bless and inspire the entire team. And that includes the people writing the beautiful scripture songs every quarter. Your brother in Christ, Harold. Well, Harold, thanks for writing to us from Zambia. And sounds like we're getting a lot of appreciation for the scripture songs. Amen. We'll have a theme song we'll sing in just a moment. Here's a note from a donor couple in California. And they write and say, we watch Hope Sabbath School every Friday evening. It's a very special way to begin the Sabbath. Would you agree with that? Yes. My wife and I are blessed to watch 
what Job Sabbath School do. Thank you to each one on the program for the sincere spiritual insights and encouragement yes. to your viewers. The lessons are especially meaningful during this time of lockdown mm -hmm. and a donation of $100 to bless the ministry of Hope Sabbath School. Mm -hmm. Thank you, donor couple in California. And thanks to each one of you who partner with us. This is a donor-supported ministry. You can go to our website, hopetv.org donate, or just click on the yellow button on our website and be a part of this impact movement. Thank you so much. Kiros writes, he says, it's me again, Kiros <laughs> from Ethiopia. Last year, I told you I was attending my software engineering class. Well, praise God, I graduated. Amen. But not only that, I'm now working at Ethiopia Adventist College, which is a very well-known college in Ethiopia. Love you so much. Keep up the good work. You are reaching our souls. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Kyrus, for writing again to us from Ethiopia. And congratulations, not only on completing your study, but on being a professor now at Ethiopia Adventist University. One last note to our media team. So I just want to say we never look at the media team over there, but we're waving mm -hmm. towards them right now because we appreciate our media team, yes. don't we? Yes. Amen. Amen. Without Amen. our media team, we just have a great Bible study uh -huh. here for an hour. Yeah. Uh -huh. But with the team, we have a million plus people around the world Amen. being blessed by the Word of God. Praise Fiona God. writes and says, I hope the team's listening, the Hope Amen. Sabbath School media team is such a blessing to us Amen. for a number of reasons. One, you help us to become close family members with each person as we get to know them, so they feel like they're family with us. Yeah. Two, we feel like we're a close part of the team as we study together. Three, the media team gives us something extra special that we would never have if it wasn't for their work. So a huge and very sincere thank you for giving us Hope Sabbath School. Amen. What do you say to the media team? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise God, Praise right? God. The media team on Hope Sabbath School, God Amen. bless you all. Well, we would agree with that, and we appreciate them very much. Right now, we want to invite you to sing our theme song. I love this song. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is what? Awesome. awesome. He's awesome. <laughs> He's a great king over all the earth. The words were written by the sons of Korah, Psalm 47. My wife gave us a tune to sing. Let's sing it together. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. For God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is awesome. He is a great King over all the earth. Oh, God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. 
You know, the amazing thing about the Bible, there's always something new to learn. And I know, Jason, as you lead us in our study today on the roots of Abraham, we're going to discover some insights, not just about Abraham, but about God's good plan for our lives. Mm. Let's pray together. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Derek. Yes, uh, please bow your heads as I lead us in prayer. Mm -hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for giving us your book. Thank you for giving us these stories. Mm -hmm. Lord, please help that these stories will not just be things we read, but that they will change our lives and we will find something from these stories we can apply to our own lives today. Guide our hearts, guide our minds, and may your Holy Spirit be with us now. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been going here through the book of Genesis, which is the book of origins or beginnings, and we've been looking at different stories, including stories of certain individuals. And today we're going to look at the story, or shall I say the roots of one of these individuals. Now that person is Abraham. But before we talk about his story, I want us to think about this idea of roots. So when you hear the word root, or you hear this idea of a root, whether family or physical, someone on the team here, what comes to mind when you hear someone talk about a root or even their roots? Gladys, what do you think of when you think of roots? I think of dirt. Okay, you think, I think of dirt? under the ground. Under the ground. And beginnings. Beginnings, all right. So like a plant's beginnings, it's, it's not always seen, but it's there and it supports it. Pedro. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, every t- uh, uh, there's some seeds that the first thing they sprout is not the, 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 the leaf, is actually the roots to gather some resources for, for it to grow. So yes, the beginning aspect uh, as a birth. Mm-hmm. The beginning, the birth. Sabina. I think on these huge sequoias and what <laughs> I learned that, you know, the highest a tree needs to be, the deeper the roots need to be as well. So I relate to this idea that, you know, to have a strong family, it's good that we have strong roots also with Uh, each other. All right, you're talking about this tree, its basic foundation. Yes, Pastor Derek. You know, Jason, I was thinking, uh, in terms of family, we can't choose what our family roots are. (laughs) And I love something that actually you said in a previous study, that maybe Ruth didn't have the greatest roots, but she ended up in the family tree of Jesus. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Rahab didn't have the greatest mm. family roots there in Jericho, but she ends up in the family tree. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can look at my family and I can think of the occult mm. activities with my mm. grandparents, and I think, wow, those aren't very good roots. But I'm so glad that God can graft us into His tree. Amen. And Amen. Uh, so we can end up with good roots. Amen. 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 Yes. Praise God. Thank you, Derek. And so we're going to look now at this story. Let's look and as I'm going to have Gladys read for us here. We're in Genesis chapter 12. And as Gladys reads verses 1 through 9, let's see what this story says about uh, Abram's roots and maybe what God is doing. Why is God connecting with Abram here? And how does this connect even to his roots? I'm reading from the New International Version, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. 
I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh, as Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. All right. Mm. Thank you, Gladys. Uh, you read a lot there. Apparently, there's some kind of story going on here. We have a lot of place names. We have some person's names. Mm -hmm. Someone tell me, what do we gather either from here or maybe even some other places similar in this text that tell us about the roots of Abram? Sabina, what do we see here mm. about the roots of Abram? Well, we can see here for sure that he's coming from a family that is a big family, apparently, and that he wants and the God wants to make this family a great nation. So to increase this family and to prosper this family, that's one thing that I see here already. All right, he wants to grow this family. John. You know, Bible scholars tell us that uh, the kind of religion that Abram's family was deep into, uh, you know, in those ancient times, they didn't uh, separate between natural and supernatural. For them, everything was the same. So they would have a God for the wind or a God for the fire. God for the agriculture, and if something in the element of nature didn't go right, they were to appease that certain God, mm -hmm. and they were supposed to know uh, which God to which God was connected to which element of nature. And so, uh, this is the kind of root uh, that Abraham comes from, and God calls him from that kind of a family setting. All right, and we're going to discuss that here in a little bit. Gladys. I see a, a root of obedience. We have been talking a lot about in, in previous studies about rebellion and disobedience. Yeah. But here we see Abram, God called him, and he went to where God told him to go. Travis. I think this goes, the roots go all the way back to Genesis 3.15, because <laughs> his roots go all the way back to Seth. And through Abraham, God is going to fulfill his promise made to Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. because out of him will come the seed that will crush the serpent's head, and that will be Jesus. Yeah. Right. Derek. You know, I just had a startling revelation because I talked about my grandparents and the occult activities and so on. My father had to be taken out of that family to find Jesus mm -hmm. as a teenager and later mm -hmm. become a Christian pastor. Uh, sometimes God has to take us out of John described a, 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 a toxic environment. He has mm -hmm. to call us out of that environment. He didn't say, stay here in this environment, I'll make a great nation. He called him out. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I guess I would say to our 
to each Hope Sabbath School member, sometimes God may have to call you out of a place mm -hmm. uh, yes. to help you be the woman of God or the man of God mm -hmm. He wants you to be. Jerry would say God sometimes has to uproot you <laughs> yeah. from your past, as yeah. we heard uproot. there with John. Uproot, literally. So we're talking about the roots, and sometimes yeah. there's an uproot. Now, as Travis and Gladys uh, referenced, Abram is following the root of obedience. So some of our roots may be good, some of our roots may be problematic, and sometimes God has to do a little bit of uprooting. And I think we see that going on here. And uh, Nancy, you had a thought. Yes, um, I'm thinking about Ruth and how she was uprooted because of the influence of Naomi. And um, we've mentioned it already, but she was surrounded by heathenism, but she chose to follow the one true God, and she went to a whole new place, and God blessed her, and through her, Amen. Jesus came later. Beautiful. So whenever we're called to move to a different place, we need to just have faith in God, because He knows. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows where to put us and why. Mm -hmm. Pedro, and then we got to look at a practical application here. Yes, one thing that caught my attention here, as, as John was mentioning, he's taking them him out of a, of a wicked environment. But God is not taking them out of a wicked environment to bring into a, a blessed environment. Actually, He's bringing them to a, a cursed community. Canaan, we think we studied previously that, that that place was not a beautiful place, but God is using him to learn something from him. So the, the isolation from old ways, but it's not isolating from challenges that will make him grow. As I see, as a, as a brute, it needs to be deep on God, but also it needs to grow upwards. That's a good point. And speaking of this idea of calling out, let's make this practical because Abram was from an area known as uh, Babylonia, Babylon, and God calls him from physical Babylon. But there might also be an application for us about being called out of spiritual Babylon. I'd like to ask Puya if you could read for us because we're here in Genesis, but we're going to go all the way to the very end of the Bible, to the last book, to the book of Revelation and chapter 18 verses 1 through 4. Puya, if you could read that for us, we're going to see another call to come out of Babylon. And let's see if we see some similarities here between what Abram faced and maybe what we as God's people are called uh, in these uh, last times of earth's history. Sure, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Revelation 18, verse 1 to 4. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Mm. Mm -hmm. Come out of her, my people. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That description of Revelation 18, did that remind you of any other places we've read uh, recently in the book of Genesis? Any descriptions there, Travis? Well, we just read about Abraham uh, coming out, and I think there's actually a direct reference to there. I was thinking, you know, <clears throat> God doesn't want 
the you know spiritual Babylon is we've learned through the Tower of Babel in previous studies it's a place of confusion mm -hmm. it's a place of self exaltation mm -hmm. and uh, we know we've just learned right through the story of Cain and Abel all the way down through Genesis we can't save ourselves we have to depend on our Creator so God is calling the people who are in spiritual Bab Babylon out into something amazing He wants to save them not yes. control them mm -hmm. God cares about his people mm. who are in um, spiritual places or churches um, that um, are exalting self and not putting our faith alone in the only true God. Mm -hmm. Pedro. Well, I see here that you mentioned other places in Genesis. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was seeing God asking Lot to come out of that place. But one thing that caught my attention here, there's not a good place on this earth for us to dwell in. <laughs> but what I see here, what God is doing with Abraham, He's taking him at a place that he has been influenced in a negative way and taking him in a place that he can be the one that influenced in a positive way. Mm. And that's what I see in the Christian level. God is calling us out of Babylon, but he's telling go out to go out and preach the message to this world. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful aspect of God trying to take us from, from the bondage of sin into his grace and love and share to the others. Jonathan, you have some thoughts here. Yeah, I think it's... Um, so much when you have, when you're part of the majority, right? So when he was in Ur, I'm sure um, he had uh, wealth. I'm sure he had all these people that, um, he, the success he could have. But by choosing to leave and to go on his own, he was stepping out. He was poor. And I think today, the, the, the same warning in Scripture is, is talked about this, this Babylon where that uses compelling force, that uses... Um, but also gives rewards to you if you follow it. And, and so we have that same choice of are we going to um, choose success that is offered to us or to follow God at, at, what, at whatever cost. Mm. Amen. Thank you. That's a great point, Jonathan. And uh, we'd love to maybe hear from you. Has God ever called you to make a break from your past, just like he did Abram? Write to us, share with us, and tell us any lessons that God guided you on your journey as you had to make a break from your past. Mm. Now let's get back here to the story of Abram because the story of Abram continues. He's here in Canaan, the land that God has called him to, and he faces a challenge. Uh, John, would you please read for us here in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10? Let's see, what is the first challenge that Abram faces when he arrives here in the land of Canaan, in the land that God is calling him to. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10 from the English Standard Version. It says, Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. All right, so uh, John just read there. What happened? What was the situation that Abram faced, Gladys? There's a famine. There's, There's no a food. Famine. No food. All right, and Abram, he's got a big family. He's probably got animals. So this is a problem because God has now called him to this land. He needs to be able to take care of himself and his family. And so what's the solution in this situation? Travis, what's the solution? Well, I see a problem. He's going <laughs> back where he, you know, in a sense where he came from, you know, um, Egypt in the Bible is represented as, as sin. So he's going back into a pagan place. And that's, not, you know, when we're hungry or where we're in need, we should turn to God. We shouldn't go, you know, something somewhere contrary to that. I want to yeah. affirm, uh, Jason, what Travis said. There is nowhere that says, and the Lord said to Abram, go yeah. south to Egypt. Yep. And of course, the story will unfold of a terrible mess in Egypt, 
when he mm. goes there. But I think it's really important to, to recognize that, as Pedro was saying, every step of our journey, Mm-hmm. We need to be listening to the guidance of the Lord. Amen. And apparently, in some of these situations, Abram wasn't. Uh, in, in 12, Abram was following God, but here, Abram, who's Abram following here? Himself. Himself. Abram. <laughs> Abram, exactly, himself. Abram for Abram. And we're going to see this pattern, and this might give us some lessons. Pedro, you had something you wanted to share here. I think we were going to be looking to some of that, but as important as it is, God is trying to take us out of our comfort zone so we can know that the problem is self. Mm. Mm. Because many, many times we look into ourselves and says, well, this is a problem here. This is a wicked place. But God, as we see Abraham here not calling upon God. And God is developing his character. And we see through his story, yeah. God developing the character of dependence, not on himself, not on others, but on the grace of God. Gladys. I, mean, I was, I was going to say that God called Abraham out of Haran to go to a place where he was going to lead him. But in this first encounter that he has, this first problem, he didn't go turn to God, hey, you told me to come. So what's going to happen here? He just decided to solve, just like we saw in the previous lessons, solve the problem on his own. Mm-hmm. So he did not depend on God. Yeah, That's right. And some people could say, oh, well, you know, I've, I've got some solutions and let me try it. Let's see how well it works. And so let's continue reading in the story. Travis, could you read for us, please, Genesis 12, verses 11 through 13? Because now Abram's following Abram, and let's see what happens as he (laughs) follows his way. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you're my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, who gave Abram this idea? <laughs> is, this, is this another thus God so told Abram to tell Sarai? Do we see that here? Nope. We see another uh, Abram for Abram. Uh, Puya, you had something you wanted to share about this. Yes, the, the, the idea that jumps out for me from this story, uh, from the calling out and the journey to Egypt, is the idea of having faith in God, right? Later on, we come to learn of, of Abraham as the father of faith, uh, as a figure of someone who trusted in God. But I think it's important for us personally as well, when God... Uh, to learn that when God called Abraham, he called him to leave behind his past and to have faith for faith in God for his future. And I think that's that's the key word here to to continue to have faith in God. You know, probably Egypt was uh, more plentiful with food and resources. So maybe faith was not necessary in Egypt, but that was not really a part of God's plan. Mm. Pedro, one thing that I see here uh, ruling out on this passage is anxiety. Mm. When you don't seek God, you're going to have anxieties. And the very next thing is, 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 is physical trials. Yeah. And, and, and that's the Bible calling us to, to, to this lesson, to come to God always. Mm. You know, there's, there's a saying, if you have time to worry, you have, you have time to pray. Mm-hmm. And that's what he has should done. Let us. I think I see it here like a way to rationalize your bad decision. Yeah. Because I know that I read somewhere in a, in a way that they were related somehow. Either they were mm. brother of a different father or something. I know they were related somehow. So he could have said, yeah, you're, 
really my sister, but you know, you it can pass. So he's trying to rationalize his bad decision by maybe something that could be true, but he knew that was not right. She was actually his half sister, yeah. same father, yes. different, different mother, mothers, yeah. but it was also a half truth. <laughs> and, 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 and what troubles me, Jason, is he's not only wanting to use some deception here, but he's asking her to lie. Yes. yes. And, and again, like Pedro said, it's a journey, but um, we, we could hardly say God is really, the Spirit of God is really leading yeah. in all of this activity. Mm -hmm. Sabina. Yeah, and I was just going to compliment what Pastor Derek said, because what troubles me also is that his fear led him to ask her to sin as well. <laughs> yeah. So because of his lack of trust in God's promise that he was going to make him and therefore Sarah as well a great nation, instead of trusting on that and just following with God's law and principles and remaining faithful, he decides to ask her to sin, to lie. And that's for me horrible because he's not only causing himself harm, but also harming other people. Sure. Travis, and then we got to move on in the story. I basically was going to say what Sabina said. I, the most disturbing thing is that he would allow his wife to be with another man because that's where that oh, yeah. was headed. <laughs> and I'm thinking, there's no way that I'm going to let my wife be with another person. You know, I mean, that's just, I, I don't get it. So, yeah, that was really troubling to me. Mm. Yes. So he's obviously, Jason, thinking about himself. They'll kill me. Yeah. He's not right. thinking about her. Yeah. But again, back to this whole story and the grace, immeasurable, unfailing love of God, is that God still has a plan for Abram. Yes, yes he does. In spite of the fact that he's got some growing to do. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to see what happens in the story. I'd like to ask Stephanie if you could continue reading for us here, Genesis chapter 12, verses 14 through 20, because temporarily it looks like maybe Abram's solution is working out pretty well. Maybe <laughs> Abram for Abram is, is actually going to produce some fruit. But uh, let's see what happens. Stephanie, please read for us in the story now. And I'll be reading from the King James Version. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and asses and men servants and maidservants and she-asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues, because of Sarai's, Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to be a, to me to wife. Now therefore behold, thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Hmm. Wow. So we see the uh, effects of Abram's choices, Abram taking care of Abram and how well that works out. Pedro, what do you think of this? Well, this is a very interesting story, and it tells us that God is merciful through the way, not only through Abraham, but also to Pharaoh. You know, the reason of playing here, God could have just... As, as breaking the commandments, uh, he could have just destroyed the Pharaoh. But he says, no, for the sake uh, of my love, for also for these people, 
I want them to know that what they're doing is wrong. And you see Pharaoh responding, it's uh, why you have done this to me. Apparently God talked to him through the plague. And, and we see the importance of, of, of God's mercy and love. He's not forcing Abraham to do things. He's allowing the lessons to be learned and for him to show the desire to follow him. Mm. Sabina. It also catches my attention here, Jason, that God had to bring those plagues because of Sarai and to protect her and also, you know, because they were breaking God's commandment. But it's interesting that God could have done that if the risk was with Abraham also. So he shouldn't fear. If God is powerful enough to bring those plagues upon them because of Sarai and what he had done, God could have protected very well Abraham and his entire family, even despite his fears. Yes. Good point. Gladys. I just, it seems interesting that, you know, the plague came to Pharaoh and not to Abraham who made the decision, <laughs> you know? But I think that sometimes God let us see the results of our bad decision and, you know, around us so we can recognize him. So I think that, that Abraham must have felt really bad when he saw all the damage that he caused to Pharaoh and his family. Mm -hmm. Travis. I think one of the saddest things, lessons that I got from this was the fact that um, Abra God called Abraham, you know, out of her to be a blessing to other nations and a mm -hmm. witness. Mm -hmm. And now he's really losing his chance to witness to Pharaoh. Yeah. And I think that's really the saddest part of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Derek. So, yeah, related to that, you know, God has, you, you talk, Pedro, about uh, Pharaoh learning something. God apparently revealed to him yeah. that Sarai was Abram's wife mm -hmm. because he says, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Yeah. Uh, but a missed opportunity, as Travis mm -hmm. said, but it shows God's love even for the Pharaoh. Yeah. I, I just want to say in all of what we're studying that God loves all of his children. Yes. He wants them all to be saved and to yeah. know how much he has a good plan for them. Amen. Amen. Jonathan, you had something you wanted to share with us here? Yeah, just the um, reoccurring uh, temptation, it seems, for Abraham for self-dependence. And I guess how much we can fall into that as well. I mean, you see Abraham repeatedly, it's, it's like this 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 family sin that, that God is repeatedly working with him. And it goes smaller and smaller bits that, that God teaches him more and more to trust in him rather than to depend upon his own connivings. Amen. Well, let's continue in the story. And Nancy, I would like for you to read Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, because let's see, uh, Abraham and God, what's going on here? Is there still hope? Okay, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where he, his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. All right, Travis, what are your thoughts here? What's going on? My What's thoughts happening? Is, my <laughs> thoughts are that should have been your first choice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, but praise God, right? God is merciful. Yes. And you know what? We've learned through Genesis. He's not running away from God. 
He's mm-hmm. running to God. And as we've talked about, that's the best choice. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes. Amen. He's returning to God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Puya. What I see here is uh, Egypt was a detour, right? A detour from God's original plan for Abraham. And it's almost like when he got, he came back to the area of Canaan, God was like, okay, you ready to start over the journey now? Okay, let's get back to business. <laughs> let's get back to business. Yes, uh, Jonathan. Yeah, just the same thing that I'd never noticed that it was, wasn't until kind of after he had that, that detour that now he calls upon the name of the Lord and maybe, maybe God... Um, uses that in our lives when we have detours to say, okay, are you ready to, to be serious and, and mm-hmm. follow me, call on me? Yes. That's right. Yes. Stephanie. What else came to my mind about detours is that God doesn't waste any of those. Mm. Mm. He didn't waste it for Pharaoh. Uh-huh. Pharaoh learned something, and it's interesting that Pharaoh uh was willing to hear God's voice and to act upon it and say, you were willing to let me sin. And yet Pharaoh turned away when he knew what was right. And it also was a a testimony to Abraham that God can fight his own battles. He knows what he's doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's continue on here in the story. Abram's now in a better place with God, calling on the name of the Lord. And this is important because... A challenge is about to emerge, and I would like to ask Jonathan if you could actually read for us the story of this challenge. We're in Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 through 13. Let's see this challenge, and let's see what lessons we might learn from this experience. All right, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At the time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. For we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and great sinners against the Lord. Hmm. All right, well, that's a fascinating story. There's some lessons there for us. Gladys, what do you see going on here? What's happening? I think that... I see grace and mercy, like after Abraham had that fiasco down in Egypt, he reconnected with God. And now I see him extending the same grace to Lot. Instead of arguing and fighting who's best, who, who's this, who that, he just decided, you know what? Choose, let's go in part in peace. That's right, Travis. Well, what I see is um, there was a lesson learned in Egypt, I think, you know, with him just trusting in God. 
and a, maybe even a humbling with Pharaoh because it's not very long after that this thing happens and it seems like he just has a humble attitude and he's completely trusting in God because someone who wasn't trusting in God would have chosen the best land for themselves. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I saw is it said that the people in Sodom were exceedingly wicked. And I'm thinking, even if he had the choice, I don't think he would have chose to go there because that would have been placing himself on Satan's ground. That's right. Yet we see someone who does place himself on Satan's ground. Who places himself on Satan's ground, Pedro? Well, we see here Lot moving to that area and pitches his tent there. All right. Lot is moving to Sodom. And uh, there's going to be some consequences. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to actually have us read. We're going to read very shortly here what happens to Lot immediately. And, but there's also some longer uh, consequences that are going to happen. Does someone here on the team want to share with me what ends up happening to Lot and his family? What are some of these longer-term consequences, Gladys, of Lot's choice? Well, he saw the land, that it was beautiful, and he went in the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he just started pitching his tent closer and closer till in the next chapter we find him inside the city. Mm -hmm. and, and tragically, Jason, Later on, Sodom is inside his family. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he can't get them out. Mm -hmm. uh, the angels have to drag part of his family out, but Literally. most of his family is so saturated with Sodom, they, mm -hmm. they won't come out. So mm -hmm. uh, to me, it's a huge warning. Yeah. Well, we'll just kind of pitch toward evil, <laughs> but pretty soon we're living in the middle of it. Yes. That's right. And Pastor Derek, you know that because you read that in Genesis 19. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and read that for yourselves in case you think that choices you make today might not have uh, huge consequences. Read about the result of Lot's choice there in Genesis 19. Now let's look at the result of Abraham's choice. And I would like to ask uh, John if you could read here in Genesis 13 verses 14 through 18, because we're going to see here uh, what is the effect on Abram now with, after this separation from Lot? Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 18 from the English Standard Version. It says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Amen. All right, Travis, what's going on? What's the result of... Uh, this separation that Abram's made in these choices. What do we see here? I see a couple of things happening. One, I think he made a good choice. He said, I'll put my tent in the woods and I'll build an altar to the Lord. And Lot said, I'll put mine by the city and I'll put myself surrounded by wickedness. There's a complete difference between the two choices. But another thing uh, that I see with Abraham here is I see God uh, reestablishing, reminding him of the covenantal promise that he had made from the very time he called him out, reassuring him that he's on the right track, going the right way. And I just think that's really a beautiful thing about God. He always, when we're on the right track, he'll remind us that he's going to take care of us. Amen. Amen. Puya. What I see here is also uh, the fact that after Abraham separated uh, himself from Lot, 
was the first recorded time again that God spoke to him, you know, ever since uh, the first call from earth. And so it's interesting to know that all through his detours and interaction with Lot, God didn't seem to speak to him directly uh, until now. So that's something to, uh, I think, pay attention to here. And I think the call, once again, is to continue to have faith in God that even though there have been famine in the land of Canaan and possibly the area that Abram chose would not be as easy in terms of, uh, you know, food and resources compared to what Lot chose. Still, God was, I think, trying to teach Abram that, hey, if you continue to have faith in me and trust in me, I will provide for you. Amen. Amen. John. You know, we notice uh, Abram that, you know, when he goes to Bethel, he erects an altar. And then he comes to Hebron and he erects another altar. And so we see wherever Abram is going, he erects an altar as a memorial unto God. Uh, you know, God is saying, I will make you a blessing. He's already being a blessing. Because one Bible scholar writes that the pagans, when they looked at the altar, they came to know about the God of heaven. Mm. Amen. Amen. So Abram is... He's had some struggles, but now he's really starting to show God's love, God's influence. He's really being a witness. Yes, Nancy. Yes, I think it's beautiful that Abram, he's still Abram at this time, he lets Lot choose which way to go. Um, if he were, you know, thinking, oh, I need to fend for myself, he mm -hmm. would have um, maybe tried to, to get the best for him. But then in verse 15, it says, no, in verse... Um, 14, it says that, um, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward for all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. So when we put our trust in God, He blesses us beyond measure. We don't have to worry about trying to strive with men for the best. That's right. And speaking about striving with men, Let's go back now and let's look at what's happening with Lot. Lot thinks he made a, a great choice. He's got a lot of resources and opportunities. Yet, Sabina, let's read here in Genesis 14. Please read verses 1 through 4 and 11 and 12. And let's see, what is one of the immediate or short-term effects of Lot's choice? Okay, so I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Genesis chapter 14, verses 1 to 4, and it says, and it came to pass in the days of Amphorel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elasar, Kedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that's Zoar. All these joined together in the valley of Sidim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Kedorlaomer, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And then uh, verses 10 and 11. 11 and 12. 11 and 12, and it says, Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their provisions, and went their way. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. <laughs> All right. Okay. So lots uh, moved. He thought he was moving into a place with a lot of resources, but shall we say there's a little bit of a political instability and there's some uh, some chaos going on here. Pedro, what do we see here now in this part with Lot? Well, we see that Lot got himself in warm waters. Uh, apparently, he was a blessed man because they took him with, with the goods, right? I see it. <laughs> now, the blessing of Abraham probably continued to be the blessed with Lot, and the kings of that nation saw that and envy. 
So that, that, that blessing. And, and he was now a captive amidst all this, this commotion. So mm -hmm. all this wealth and now Lot himself is a prisoner of war. Mm -hmm. Now let's say that we're in Abram's situation and we hear about <laughs> Lot and the choice, you know, Lot, he's selfish, he's foolish. Mm -hmm. So we might be like, well, isn't Lot getting what he deserved? You know, mm -hmm. isn't that kind of justice after all? You know, that's, he, he made his choice and now he's living with it. Or maybe we might be even a little nicer and say, okay, well, Lord, I'm going to pray for Lot. Lord, please be with Lot. <laughs> maybe he'll learn from this mistake. Maybe he'll learn to follow you. Maybe somehow you'll rescue him. Uh, but let's see here, actually, uh, Gladys, yes. could you read for us what Abram does here in Genesis 14, verses 14 through 16? And then let's talk about that. Verses 14 to 16 of Genesis chapter 14, and I'm reading from the New International Version. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobad, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. All right. So, Gladys, how does Abram react? Does he do like what I said? Oh, I'll pray for him. Oh, you know, uh, he's getting what he deserves. What do you see there, Gladys? He's resembling God's character. Mm -hmm. He went in hot pursuit after his, his mm -hmm. relative. All right. What do you see here, Travis? Well, I see... Um, I see him also having faith in God because he takes 318 men. And I'm thinking, that's not enough to defeat an <laughs> army. Uh, so he just puts his trust in God. And uh, as was just mentioned, you know, he's acting um, just like Jesus would or just like God would um, when someone is taken into captivity, right? Mm -hmm. And especially his brother, you know, or his brother's son. Mm. That's right. This is a great victory. Abram's able to bring back goods and people. But guess what? The devil's prepared with another challenge for him. Pedro, I'd like if you could read that for us here. Genesis chapter 14, verses 21 through 24, because the devil's going to do anything he can to try to trip up Abraham. And let's see what happens here. Sure. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Uh, Genesis 14, uh, 20, 21 through 24. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, uh, Give me the person and take the goods for yourself. But Abraham sa said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the, to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, and I will take nothing. For the treads of, uh, to the sandals straps, that I, I will not take anything that it is yours. Least you should say, I have made Abraham rich except only what is the young men have eaten and the portions of the men who went with me, Anir, Eskol, Mare, Manne, uh, let them take their portion. All right, so uh, what's happening here? Is there, a, is there a trap trying to be formed, Gladys? I don't think it's a trap. It's just, um, I think that, that probably he just wanted to tempt him with something that, you know, that uh, it was customary, you know, tradition. This is just tradition. But Abraham was like, no, you know, I have pr promised that I will not take anything because the glory is not mine, it's God's. That's right. The glory is not his, the glory is God's. John. Mm -hmm. No, it seems as though what uh, Abraham is trying to communicate here is, 
you know, I'm not doing this for a reward. This is what I do if anything happens to the people that I'm related to. So a man of responsibility, uh, we notice here about Abram. So this is not anymore Abram taking care of Abram. This is Abram guided by God, helping another person. And, and I think back to what Travis said earlier, Abram recognizes this was not his victory. Yes. 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 This was the victory of the Lord. And, yes. and so, uh, of course, later he'll honor Melchizedek, who he meets. He's just finally, unlike the Egypt detour, he's following the direction of the Lord Most High. Amen. Amen. Well, we need to continue reading. So, Travis, could you read here Genesis 14, 18? Because Derek just referenced Melchizedek. Let's see who is this Melchizedek person. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Then Mel Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought up bread and wine. He was the priest of the God of the Most High. All right. So, who is this Melchizedek, Gladys? He said he was a priest of the Most High God. All right. Uh, yes, Pedro. Well, we see here that we don't have much information on Melchizedek. In Hebrews, we have some references later on connecting, uh, you know, Jesus in connection with Melchizedek. But I think the important part is that Abraham was taking the steps toward God. And we see that the, through the lesson here, when Adrian takes his choice, he brings shame to himself and brings shame to God. But when oh. he comes to God mm. and he surrenders his love to God, he's not only bringing glory to God, he's bringing witness to the God Almighty. Amen. Mm. Amen. Nancy, well, let's read uh, this interaction with Melchizedek in Genesis 14, verses 19 through 20, because we get a, a fascinating little uh, experience here. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. All right. He gave him a tithe of all and he's blessing. Uh, what's happening here, Gladys? Well, he's being faithful. You know, it's just like we have been speaking of this journey from Egypt back to, to, to the place where God had called him and his relationship, how he affected Lot, saved him. And now he's giving back to God what belongs to him. That's right. So what is tithe, Nancy, and what do we know about this idea of tithe? Tithe is 10% of our earnings, and we return our tithes to God because we recognize that He is the one who has blessed us with everything that we have, even our intelligence to do our work. He is the owner of the land on which we live. Even you know, if we buy a home, it's all His anyway. So this is a way to acknowledge that we uh, know where our um, sustenance comes from. Amen. Amen. Yes. Derek. Well, I think this is the first time in the Bible that ever mentions tithe. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that later his grandson, Jacob. When, he, Jacob, when he's blessed by God, says, Lord, of all I get, I'll return a tithe to you. So I think, you know, it's kind of an interesting thought. I don't know mm -hmm. where it came from, but it starts first mentioned here that, uh, like Nancy said, Part of our spiritual journey of depending totally on God Amen. is also to recognize, as James says, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Amen. And the tithe is just a recognition that, that it's all His really, Amen. but we're thanking Him Amen. by a faithful tithe. Yes. Amen. Puya, you had something to add here. 
Yes, and I believe uh, another perspective to this is tithe is an expression of gratitude for God's blessing. And it's very clear that Abraham acknowledged that Melchizedek was a priest of God the Most High, which shows that Abraham understood that God also had people uh, from other areas too, not just him as the chosen person, that God was working with everyone. So I thought that was interesting. That is. Now, very quickly before we wrap up, we've talked about tithe as expressions of appreciation. What are some other ways we can express appreciation to God? Nancy? I have a wonderful story of a family that um, is dear to us in Colombia, South America, where I'm from. Um, the, the husband had a business where they would make um, butter and he started to pay um, return double tithe, a double tithe, because he thought, you know, um, he had gone through a, a stewardship um, series of meetings and so on. And so he started to double tithe. And what happened is that now um, God blessed him so abundantly that um, his business grew and grew. And so that now they had um, this same business in different parts of the country. And and on Sabbath, um, the, the um, and so God was, was very gracious to him and, and blessed him abundantly. Amen. Amen. And I want to challenge you, maybe like Abraham, you've had uh, some ups and downs. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you how you can show appreciation expression just as he guided Abram today. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, Amen. so much to learn about Abram. We get mixed up. He's later called Abraham when he's the mm -hmm. father of many nations. Still Abram here, but he's on a journey. You are too. And God loves you and he wants to lead you. Uh, every step. And as we learned here at the end of our study, let's express our devotion and appreciation to him in many ways. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this story inspired account of Abram. And Lord, we thank you for your amazing love and patience and mercy, not only for him, but for each one of us. May we also follow your leading day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. Learn some lessons, you say, stay with us. We're gonna talk about other characters in the book of Genesis, how God led them because of his great love. Take that love that God's put in your heart. Be a blessing to those around.